Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast, your host, Matyash. And today I have with me Liz Peterson. We're going to talk about energy healing, Kundalini Yoga, and past life access. She's going to do a demonstration on me, actually, um, and quickly access a past life of mine where something bad happened. Ooh. We're going to talk about Barbara and Ben's work and how that's compared to Reiki. We're going to talk about her seeing spirit in an early age. We're going to talk about her energy healing career and what she does. And we're going to talk about the Kundalini energy itself, the dark night of the soul, and many more things. And we're going to mention Donald Trump, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the new podcast. Welcome to the new episode of All That Jazz. My host, Matyash, and today I have with me Liz Peterson. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat to be able to communicate with each other like across the globe, right? I think a real silver lining to lockdown was being online more and being able to make these connections. So thanks for having me. Thank you for being on. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing because I think you're specific time so that's like uh that's a nine eight or nine time zone difference between here and there between europe and uh west coast and uh yes not quite noon here yeah and i understand you are a fellow podcaster and also do radio as well so that's uh that's really interesting so you do a raised the vibe show that you have uh is that um is that voice only is or is that also video as well Voice and video. Yeah, awesome Raise video. the Vibe with Liz. Yep, it's called okay. Raise the Vibe with Liz. I'm on YouTube and everybody can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Raise the Vibe with Liz. And I've been doing that for about, it was, let's see, my one year anniversary was in March. And then mm-hmm. I also do a local radio show here on Vashon Island in the state of Washington called Raise the Vibe. Cool. Yeah, it's really fun. So, um, and, and you're also an intuitive energy healer and a spiritual coach. I always think that's really interesting because I'm um, um, on a spiritual journey as well. But as people know, if, if you actually get serious about spiritual work, sometimes disaster happens in your life. And then, you know, all this stuff that, that it was working well, all the relationships, all this stuff turns to, you know, turn, turns to really bad stuff. And, and uh, you lose a relationship and stuff like that. Like, I don't want to scare people, but this might happen. So why is it that this happens? Like people, people's lives turn upside down sometimes. Yes, it's so true, Matt, when you get on a spiritual path or sometimes even it is the difficult thing that kicks you into your spiritual journey, right? But while we're on that spiritual journey, difficult things do come into our lives. I think it's really testing us. You know, what are our limits and boundaries. They say the universe isn't going to give us something that we can't handle, right? So if we choose right. this spiritual path and we want to grow spiritually, if we want to awaken, if we want to be on this path, this journey, then the universe is going to give us things to be able to practice being on the path and journey. I think, you know, if we're in utopia, nothing's going to ever change and we're going to be all laying around, you know, in the sunshine with our feet kicked up, maybe drinking a glass of wine, right? <laughs> Enjoying life. <laughs> You know, when you're given something difficult, that's really when you start looking within and really doing the hard work. Yeah. Um, 
is it normal for people to become um, like, I think some people change like, or they are introverted before and then they're on a spiritual journey. And then this periods of time when they, they become either more extroverted or somehow their personality changes. Is that, is that uh, in line with uh, Eastern philosophy of thinking that the chakras as, the, as it moves up the Kundalini or whatever, that it also changes the personality. Is that, is that something that happens to people? It is something that happens. It does. You go through a little transformation. I remember, you know, I was super shy in school, hate public speaking, mm. doing that type of thing. Right. And here I am. I have a healing business. I have a radio show, a podcast. I'm getting more comfortable speaking in public, um, getting out more, being more of an extrovert. I think when you start opening your chakras to you're really getting in alignment with your soul, you're opening your voice, you're stepping into your personal power, you're getting empowered, you know, and really seeking out those passions in life. So yeah, as we open up and grow and mature, and that really plays a part too. You know, as we experience life, we get more under our belts, right? We get more yeah. experiences. We get a broader view, broader perspective, and a different way of looking at life. Plus, we have all these things that we've learned <clears throat> where we can apply them to our life now, and it's growth. You know, like they say, with age comes wisdom. It does because with age comes experience, right? right. And people start coming out of their shell, especially in their late thirties, forties. Yeah, really. Yeah, I, I think there was a stat for murder and stuff like that that I saw, and and most of the murders commit when, when uh, uh, usually between uh, ages of eighteen to thirty-five or thirty-nine, something like that. And I guess some of it is driven by testosterone, but I guess some of it as well, like people, uh, especially men, learn to uh, to grow up maybe later in life for some of them. And uh, I'm, okay, let me backtrack a little bit since I, I'm going down this track. Let, let me ask you this. Sure. What do you think no, about- I like where you're going with this. I have something to say, go ahead. <laughs> what do you think about good versus evil? Do you think, do you think there's some people on earth that are just evil? just bad. Mm. Ah, well, I'm going to backtrack <laughs> a little bit and say that the ages between 18 and 35, I think we're learning about who we are and we're, we're coming out of this me, 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 ego, 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 really not mm. really thinking about other, right? We don't really think about other unless like we have a child or we get married or someone passes or there's a catastrophe that happens and we have to think about other, right? So it's a stepping into a broader way of thinking about other. Plus you're going from a place where you're emotionally immature and reacting all the time to personal growth and you're learning, you're learning patience, you're learning personal growth, you're learning strategies. Yeah. So you're learning how to respond to the world instead of react. So I think that has something to do with the two. I do think that there is good and evil. I think that there's good and evil spiritually. And I think there's good and evil on the planet. I've thought that ever since I was a little kid, I've never really understood, right. you know, why evil exists. I know that we live in duality. This is 3D duality and we have to have both sides, right? Good and evil, yin and yang, you know, positive, negative. Um, but unfortunately it does exist. Yeah. I experienced it even as a child. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the soul cannot be hurt because even if you kill somebody, they still survive. But obviously it's very painful or it's, you know, if somebody cuts your hand off or something, obviously this is going to hurt. And uh, yeah, but, and it's going to disrupt your life path. Yeah. You know, that's where humans kind of get in the way. 
Yeah. Do you think some of the uh, the, the stuff, the, some of the tragedies uh, that happen in people's life, do you think they're predetermined, like predestined? Oh, <laughs> that is such a sensitive subject because is a it? lot of terrible things have happened to a lot of people. Good, good, good people. And I would say that um, we live multiple lives. Yes, if you believe in that. So if we're living these multiple lives and we want to experience all different facets of life and what life can offer and what life can be, and there's duality, then as a soul, you have the choice to come in and, you know, be a positive force, or maybe you're going to come in and do the flip side and do something negative, right? Maybe in a previous life you were, um, say Hitler, right? awful example, but, and then in this life, you'll come back and be a philanthropist and be helping people around the world, right? Or vice versa. Now there's also the aspect where humans and human choice, ego, um, greed get in the way and, um, and become people who do bad things mm. and people who do bad things to good people. And, disrupt their life path. And I don't think that 100% are like karmic, right? Yes, we have lessons, but I also think that people can be messed up. People mm. can be bad. People can make wrong choices and do these things. Um, I think there's also a layer to the universe too, that I want to say that the universe is always helping you no matter what you do. And I used to hate this in my 20s, right? If somebody did something bad and then you see something good happening in their lives and you're like, why? Why did this person do this thing and then this good is happening to them, right? Hmm. But if you see like somebody goes into prison and then the universe is conspiring to help them, right? Because the universe, I think, ultimately wants us to grow and mature, right? It's like, like that story from um, the Bible about the prodigal son. It's always baffling. To a lot of people because there's there's this one son that's always good and then there's uh, another son that's that goes wayward that's bad and probably probably goes into prostitutes all kinds of things and then come then is broke and comes back and is welcomed with open arms and you know oh you're you're so great i love you my son and the other son is like well you you've you've um made all this feast for him, you know, and you didn't ever do that for me. I guess there was a slight expectation from the other son. I guess that we could psychoanalyze that as well, I guess. But, but the fact that this son was embraced so well, I mean, that's, I guess that's love, forgiveness. And maybe, maybe that's God in a way, always, or the universe, always welcoming us back uh, with open arms, no matter what we do. Yes. Is that what you take away from that is like, uh, that's, that's unconditional exactly love. what I would say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That unconditional love, that forgiveness, that love and God, the universe, all that is, whatever name you want to put on it really does want us to succeed, really yeah. does want us to learn and grow. Yeah. Mm. By the way, before you yeah. mentioned ages, I'm, I'm just uh, 35 now. So you, so you think life is going to go get better now at 35? <laughs> <laughs> life does keep getting better and better, I have to say. Um, and life is still difficult sometimes. Right. Yeah, but you have the tools and experience 
as you get older to be able to handle these things in different ways. So you become more resilient with mm. age. Yeah. Like uh, spiritually resilient or mentally, you're like stronger mentally than before. Yes, exactly. Because I think yeah. being young is in this world is uh, really tough. Now we live in a world where there's a lot of social media. There's a lot of peer pressure, not only like in school, but, uh, you know, um, a lot of people have smartphones. I don't have a smartphone, but not yet. I have, a, I have a thing that was used to be a phone back in the day. I used to have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Um so uh, there's pressures all the time. They, they look in there on their Facebook feed, Instagram feed, uh, pressures how to look and all that. And apparently that's contributing to a lot of distress that people feel nowadays. So how do, how do young people deal with this? Because there's so much coming at them so fast, you know? Yeah, and especially if they're empaths and sensitives. And a lot of the mm. kids being born today are more open and aware than they were, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? Yeah. Put their like you said, there's way more coming at them all the time. I have four boys ranging between the ages of 14 and 26, and they're oh just bombarded. Goodness. I mean, they know things that I was just clueless to in high school, right? And it's my 14-year-old. We're having conversations now. Things are happening, like things that used to happen in high school are not happening in middle school, right? Because they have access to all of this information. So they're growing at a more rapid plate spate or pace yeah. there. Um, and it's true. They are having a hard time. I think that, you know, when the kids are little parents taking the time to kind of navigate it, even though it's really difficult, especially during lockdown, like, right. I had TV as a kid, right. right. Now our kids have everything. their, you know, their iPhones and computer and everything else just access at their fingertips. But I think it's also important for these kids to have access to this information because they're a new um, generation of change makers, right? And if they don't have all the information at their fingertips and they're not gonna be able to create the change that needs to be created, right? Because we are going through a big shift right now. Mm. But so, you know, just teaching them skills. So skills to like step back and recharge that they mm. don't have to be glued to it 100% of the time. And it's hard because it is super hard to get that phone out of my 14 year old's hand. Right. But, so so you're indirectly saying that maybe I should think about getting a smartphone as well because I'll be, I'll be on the the internet highway all the time. <laughs> you know, mine is really great for running my podcast. I can literally, I can do everything. Wait, you run your podcast to your to your smartphone? No, I do all of my social media posting, advertising, um, creating graphics and stuff like that through my iPhone. Wow. Yeah, and then then straight to Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, I use my computer for the recording and downloading and that sort of thing. But after that, it's pretty much all on my phone. You, you know, I think life nowadays is in, in a way easier because if you're really good at what you do, you can you can start a business from your kitchen and never actually leave the kitchen. Go go into the kitchen, do your business, do your podcast, do your shows, do your interviews or whatever you do. And that, that's your business. And that's uh, how you make money. Isn't that great? Yeah. I think it's fantastic. It's opened up a whole world of possibilities for people, especially when we're like redoing what are our priorities, right? And I think a lot of people were kind of looking within and looking at resetting their priorities going through, you know, lockdown and pandemic where everybody's at home and they're going, gosh, you know, I'm really enjoying this. I'm enjoying spending time with my family. Here I am, say I'm a dad and I get to be home with my kids now. 
you know? So how can I make this happen more for my family and for myself, you Mm -hmm. know? So, and I think this and being able to do this and work with people around the world. Yeah. It's, it's a positive, positive direction for sure. It is amazing. Um, and years ago, uh, when I was in Edinburgh, I went to a few uh, Kundalini yoga uh, sessions, and that was intense. I never tried any yoga before, so I can't compare it. But I will say, um, she would say, like, repeat uh, 54 to 102 times the same thing. And that, that was difficult to, you know, if, if you could do well 54, but then 102, man, you, you're like dying. So I know you have some experience with Kundalini yoga or you do Kundalini yoga daily, right? I do. And that shows that you're on the path, Matt, that you were getting intuition to go to a Kundalini yoga class. That's often the case. Yep. I love working with Kundalini. I've been working with Kundalini since my late twenties during my four-year program. Of course, when you're working with the chakras and the aura, you're learning how to get grounded and come into your body and spin your chakras and align your body and get balanced, grounded and embodied because it's really about becoming embodied, right? So yes, working with that, you can do um, meditation exercises, you can do breathing exercises, definitely ground, definitely you know, come into your center and meditate. Having awareness about the energy in your body is you know, first one of the first steps, right? Mm-hmm. And then things like beyond meditation would be yoga, kundalini yoga, um, tantra, white tantra, um, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Really tapping into it, getting that life force going and it makes everything in life better. It brings in an aspect of pleasure into all aspects of yeah. your life energy. Yeah. I know when I did the, the session with the Kundalini yoga classes that I'd come back and I'd be like buzzing for like a few hours. It was so yeah. like, uh, you feel mentally kind of calm and also it physically is exhausts you as well, but like in a good way. Um, and do you think, because uh, I know that Kundalini Yoga is also, uh, there's a lot of uh, videos on YouTube of people doing it, but I heard that it's better if you do it with a teacher because they can see the uh, the mistakes you're making, let's say, and then they're able to correct your mistakes. Yes and no. I think access online is good. When you're in a regular yoga class and the teacher is thinking about alignment, It is nice to have the student right there so you can adjust them to get into alignment. Kundalini yoga, since you're doing um, a few different postures and pranayama, which is the breath work and that sort of thing, I think it's less important that you're in person and being able to go around and correct the students. Um, I think that people should dive in online. There's a lot of great teachers on YouTube right now and a lot of people have their own websites and are doing it, so I highly recommend it. It's really great for opening up your chakras and getting your energy flowing. And like you said, Matt, after your class, that feeling that you have afterwards, it lasts for a couple hours. And the more you do it, the longer it lasts, right? Then you can hold on to that. Yeah. And clearly what you're feeling is your energy moving in your body, right? You remove the blocks in your energetic system and your energy is allowed to move more freely than your body. It's quite uncanny. It's really amazing. Uh, I would recommend uh, anybody to try because, uh, this was a few years ago, but when I did it, it was like, wow, I think I, when I come back to Scotland, I want to try again because it's really, uh, really something great. Uh, but I'm going to ask you about Kundalini because I think it's such an interesting energy. Do you, think, do you think if somebody goes to class immediately, their Kundalini starts working or is it something that 
only happens by <clears throat> by grace, so to speak, that you have developed enough, and all of a sudden there's uh, Kundalini awakening. Ah, uh, there's this and to that question. Right. So some people can be born with it open. Everybody has access to it. Hmm. It's whether we're blocked, right? Because as we're aging, we're not taught to release, right? We're not taught that when something happens that we need to process through it and get it out of our body, right? So we have access to this energy. Um, it is functioning all the time. It's our life force, right? Mm -hmm. You can tap into that. There is, this is the and. There can be a spontaneous Kundalini awakening where it just wakes up, right? And just starts flowing, right? Mm -hmm. This is where you hear, oh my gosh, when I had this Kundalini awakening, I was out of my body for three days. It took me days to get regrounded into my body, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> um, so what I want to suggest is that you start a practice of grounding and getting into your body. The more grounded you are, the more in touch you are with your, with your body, the more you can work with your Kundalini, then it's a nice slow opening and your body is allowed to adjust, right? It's like when we're getting these downloads from the universe and our body feels uncomfortable because our energetic system has ramped up and our physical body has to catch up. Right. That's what the Kundalini energy has to do. So the more that we're working on our physical body and our spiritual body and easing it into awakening, then it's an easier path of just having that spontaneous, you know, Kundalini awakening where it's just like, ah, oh, all of a sudden I'm seeing the universe and the eye, you know, in my third <laughs> eye and that sort of thing. And I'm ungrounded and um, my body can't handle it. You know, I can't sleep and this, that, or the other, right. It's way nicer to have a nice awakening where you're actually working with your body. You're strengthening your body with yoga or Kundalini yoga. You're doing grounding, you're meditating all the time. It's starting to come online in a nice graceful way. And then your physical body and your energetic body can handle it better. And the mm. stronger your physical body and your energetic body gets, the more Kundalini you can run. So right. after doing years of practice, then you know, you're starting to step into where you're running your Kundalini all the time, hmm. right? You can tap into it. You can turn it on when you need to for work and that sort of thing. And it really does yeah. benefit your entire life. And it's, uh, it's interesting because uh, uh, there's a lot, I think there's a lot more people experiencing Kundalini than used to be like years ago. Cause uh, I know that Carl Jung, um, the famous uh, psychoanalyst wrote, uh, uh, some things about Kundalini and that he didn't think that there was going to be a lot of people that are going to have Kundalini experiences, you know, and uh, yeah. And now look at, you know, look at the world. There's a lot more people experiencing it. And I think, I think last year's pandemic uh, like uh, sped up the process because a lot of people were forced to be at home and to listen to their own thoughts without being disturbed by, by their job or whatever, being distracted. So yeah, let's. Um, yeah, and okay. it's part of awakening. It's yeah. part of that global awakening. I think um, you know how they say, oh, when there's a death in the family or a divorce or a child being born or something like that. Those are initiations into personal growth, mm. right? Those are those times where we start looking within and looking at ourselves. And I think that this pandemic was really a global awakening. It's like 
everybody was experiencing difficulty, right? When you experience difficulty, you start to do the work. You start to go within, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. So it's really a lot. I'm, I'm seeing it in my clients too, in my work. When I'm getting my clients, a lot of clients are waking up. And then my clients who are therapists and healers, they're seeing their clients opening up. Everybody's going through a dark night of the soul. Dark night of the soul is a definite spiritual awakening. You know, and it's just having the tools looking um, out and going, okay, what can I do to support myself during this awakening? Am I eating better? Am I getting out in nature? Right. Right. What would you say is the dark night of the soul? How do people like, is it just feeling really bad, like kind of depressive, manic? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So dark night of the soul is a really kind of falling from grace where you're going into a depression of sorts, anxiety. Um, You may have experienced a loss. You might have experienced loss via divorce, um, Mm. loss of a loved one and, or, um, or you have depression and you can dip. Right. So that dark night of the soul is that really falling apart of identity. It could be depression. It could be anxiety and panic attacks. It's going into that hopelessness space. Yeah. Sometimes. And I've, I've been in that space. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. It's not a nice space. I've been in that space as well. Yeah. But it really is. It can be a seed for personal growth. Mm. If a person is resilient enough to want to do the work it takes to come out of it and really get to the other side. And it is work. But it seems similar to to a regular depression. How would you know you have uh, the dark night, specifically that? Because you think uh, uh, it's connected to some spiritual problem as well. Like earlier when you said like uh, when somebody's ungrounded, like I can never... I can never figure when I'm grounded or not. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> when we're ungrounded, we can be, let's see, meditating and wanting to leave our bodies, right? We can oh. also be in a state of thinking where we're constantly going, constantly thinking, always in our head, right? Being grounded is really feeling the weight of your soul within your body and being grounded to where you're balanced and calm and peaceful Mm. and able to make decisions without panic or worry or something like that. I do want to add when it comes to go back a little bit to the depression that people sometimes do have a chemical imbalance and have to work with that. That is, you know, common. And um, I apologize, you know, to those persons who are experiencing that. And um, sometimes it's not an option to go off medication and be on, you know, natural sources. But um, there's also an aspect, if you're experiencing a dark night and you know it's not chemically influenced, right? That um, there are components of wounding that can happen during childhood and beyond, right? They get stuck in our bodies that we're not dealing with, we're ignoring our emotions right? And then they turn into anxiety, panic, depression as well. So we um, really need to learn how to go within and kind of unwrap our wounds and unwrap our belief systems and really get into a space where we're doing the big healing work. And that the healing work is a huge part of personal growth. Because without looking at yourself and your belief systems and where you came from, 
and what you experienced. Mm. You know, how are you supposed to get enlightened if you're not willing to look at yourself? So would you say that somebody, let's, let's stick with depression. If somebody has depression right now, that mm -hmm. let's say the, the drugs are helping them, but they, they ought to do some other work as well. Maybe, um, I don't know, Kundalini yoga would be a one way to start. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yoga. And yoga often leads to wanting to make your life better. Right. A person can go take a yoga class like, oh, this is going to be a great exercise, right? And then they realize subtle shifts in their energy, mm. right? They notice, wow, I'm really feeling great. I remember going to yoga class for the first time in my early 30s. And when I left, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the only exercise that I've done where I actually want to eat healthy afterwards. And I think that there really is, you know, that tapping into your soul source and when you tap into your soul source, you want to eat healthy, right? You want to do good things to your body. You don't want to stay up late and get drunk and <laughs> do all these right. other things, right? But you want to start turning on the healthy switch. You know what happened to me though? I went to Kundalini yoga class and then after I was with a friend and after I went to the store and I bought a Snickers bar and she was like, she was like roasting me. She's like, oh, how can you go to a yoga class and then you eat Snickers? <laughs> maybe maybe the healthy eating didn't work for me in the class. I did get the benefit, but I was like, I want, I want that sweets. <laughs> you, you know what's interesting to look at is sometimes um, moving the energy can trigger our wounds and our coping mechanisms. Oh, yes. So say that we have a wound triggered and our way to cope is eating right? Then all of a sudden, like in the pandemic, people found themselves like sitting on the couch, eating a bag of chips, yeah. right? Because it's comforting, mm -hmm. right? That's their way of coping, right? And yeah. sometimes, you know, when you're doing the Kundalini yoga and you're moving the blocks, it can also trigger your coping mechanisms, right? Because it's, it's removing the blocks and kind of freeing those emotions and things mm -hmm. that you're not dealing with. And they're moving, they're moving out, which is what we want, right? right. And then there's also you know, hey, this was just my first Kundalini class and it hasn't really sunk in yet. You know that these subtle shifts are happening to my body and I really love a Snickers bar because it tastes really good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think, I think that addiction is common though. Sugar is such a, such a common addiction in today's world and a lot of people are addicted to it. And um, is there, is there uh, something like an energy healer can do such as yourself to heal people of this addiction or it's just like straight up, you know, you just have to uh, avoid it like an alcoholic avoiding alcohol, just avoid it. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> with this one too. So it's um, as an energy healer, I try to empower the person that's on my table to do the work, right? So I can do the work by, removing the blocks or having discussions about uh, where those addictions came from. Yeah. You know, what were, what were the wounds? What were the belief systems? What are you, um, why are you using this as a coping skill and setting up like healthy habits and stuff like that. But really for the person it's doing work because yeah. a person can come into me and leave my office feeling great. And two hours later, choose not to do the work and grab a glass of wine or something like that. Right. So it's really making the conscious choice, you know, to make, to not grab that right. wine, not grab the sugar to not grab whatever your addiction is. 
So yeah. your sessions, in a way, come with homework. You're like, uh, you have to meditate a little bit, or you have to refrain from eating too much ice cream today, or <laughs> something. <laughs> <laughs> Not all the time, but sometimes they do. Okay. So do you yeah. get messages sometimes, and you're like, this this person should just avoid eating Snickers from now on. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a client the other day, and I'm like, I'm really seeing you sitting down with a big healthy salad. You know, and then she came to me the week later and said, you know, yes, there's this detox that I need to do, you know, that's healthy for my body. And I'm like, oh, now I know, you know, inside I'm like, ah, oh, now I know why I saw you eating that big salad because you needed to detox, right? And hmm. Interesting. part so, of detox is healthy eating. So yes, I do get intuition when I'm working with my clients to change this, that, or the other. Hmm. Do you ever get, so this is an interesting question. Do you ever get uh, the image that, Hmm. I think this person should just eat the big steak and you know something, <laughs> something nice like that. <laughs> I've never run into that before. Because <laughs> you know, you know what I ask is that um, there's a guy called Jordan Peterson that I really respect, and uh, he had all uh, sorts of um, physical problems and all that. He he's genetically predisposed to some kind of illness. I don't remember what it is, but through his daughter, his daughter started. Uh, uh, she had sim similar problems, obviously, uh, same genes. So she started uh, using a meat-only diet, and she got oh, better. And then, yeah. and then he started it. And then, you know, he, he eats a steak or two a day, and he's the healthier, healthier than ever. I mean, besides that really works for some people. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. Like I never thought I would see from one extreme raw vegan, and the other extreme is two steaks a day. It's quite I'm fascinated something. to know more, like what was the illness and what was it in the meat? Was it the minerals, the iron, or what was it, you know, that their bodies needed? And everybody's different, right? There's not yeah. one person on this planet that's like the other person, right? It's not a one-size-fits-all world. So I think that we really need to follow our intuition and do what our bodies want to do, not just because so-and-so says vegan is great or so-and-so says like, um, meat and vegetables is good, right? And no carbs or whatever. I think that you have to do what your body's wanting, right? What your body's craving and really listen to it. Right. It almost seems like it's a, almost a religion or like a, or like a sports fanatics. Like I'm, I'm a vegan team and I'm a team meat, you know, so they, they don't come in the middle. <laughs> so <laughs> it is it can be that way. I try not to judge because I'm a vegetarian, but I came upon vegetarianism in kind of an interesting way because I tried it in my 20s and then I was working in a restaurant in Virginia and bacon totally broke me, right? Just going in and Ooh. serving brunch on the weekends and smelling the bacon. I'm like, that's it. Give me the bacon, right? <laughs> and then later on in life, I go back east and I'm visiting family and I come home and I just feel terrible. And I'm like, gosh, I really didn't eat anything different away than I do at home normally. I wonder what it was. And then I had this dream that I was to become a vegetarian. So I stopped eating meat mm -hmm. and then I haven't wanted it since. Every now and then I think, gosh, you know, I'm O positive, you know, they really recommend that people of my um, body type eat, you know, meat, eat protein. But, and I, so I think maybe I should, but then it's like, nah, then when I go to eat, I'm like, nah, I don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it just depends on the person. Yeah. And that goes with everything. You know, I, I think that the more our society can be aware that one size doesn't fit everybody, the more benefit we can have for the human race, you know, yeah. have a more holistic approach. Like, yeah, I, I know vegans, I know uh, vegetarians, and I know uh, 
there's a girl I knew that uh, she 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 said she was vegetarian for years, but then she told me that one day she uh, she ate a little bit of meat and then her body was like, mm, yeah, more of yeah. that. So it's interesting. Maybe it's the body type or or some kind of uh, disposition that they they need more meat than others. Maybe it's that. I don't. I'm. I can't quite figure it out why, but uh, there's different reactions to it, right? Yeah, you can have a vegetarian that goes and eats a burger and is just fine and feels great. And it's like, wow, I have energy, right? Maybe my body was lacking that protein that it needed or whatever ingredient that was in the meat, right? And then you have a vegetarian that goes and eats a burger and then they're like dying for two hours with so many pains, <laughs> right? So you just don't know how your body's going to react. Yeah, but yeah, you need to listen to your body, right? Not what somebody else's body wants you to do. Maybe there's uh, also the the mental component as well, the uh, belief system. If if you think something eating something is bad for you, like let's say I'll, I'll take a banal example, but if you, if you really think that eating eggs is bad for you, like it's gonna be bad for you, then it's probably gonna be bad for you. You know, there is a component that you can talk yourself into things. Because belief systems are powerful and the mind really listens. Yeah. You know? well, what if I really believe the sneakers are good for me? Do you think that would work? I think that you'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> it just depends on if your subconscious is on board or not. <laughs> All right. So the conscious mind, I totally convinced it. And then subconscious mind is like, nah, nah, I don't believe you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I, I have an idea. What if I go to a hypnotist and convince myself this is good for me and then be like, yeah, this is really good. <laughs> Snickers for life. Right. Um, I, uh, so you train in, in, uh, in the Barbara Brennan uh, technique. So. Okay, what is different between her technique, what she does? Is is it similar to Reiki in a way? Or because I think I've had a guest on that was trained in that technique as well, but I, I can't figure out why. Is it, the, is it the the length of time that she does it for? Like, is it really like the, the, to check if you're actually doing the work well or learning well? Hmm. Well, the difference between Reiki and Barbara Brennan's work. So Barbara Brennan's work is energy work. It's an advanced energy work. She was a seer. She's also mm -hmm. a scientist, but definitely a seer. She can see the chakras. She can see the aura. She can see the stuff, you know, stuck in the aura. She can see the rips and tears and holes and the lopsided chakras or the immature chakras or a block here and there, a cancer or something like that. So she's really an evolved soul when it comes to her gifts. Um, and that's really running energy, running energy from the earth and running energy from above and really um, controlling the energy, push, pull, neutral, um, removing things, um, filling with light, that sort of thing. It's, mm -hmm. a, um, it's a very, um, what's the word that I want to use? Gosh, I'm sorry. The word is like totally escaping me right now. Um, um, holistic or no, not holistic, just the way that it's done. It's very, um, oh, well, forget it. I'll just, if, it'll come to me in a second and Reiki, um, if you try to manipulate Reiki, it will stop. So Reiki is an energy that you get attuned to, and it comes in through your head into your heart and out your palms, yeah. right. And you just lay hands and, um, turn it on, so to speak with the symbols or with just intention, right? And it flows. Now, if you try to control it, it's going to stop. Whereas mm -hmm. with energy work, 
you can control the energy, right? You can send it to different parts of the body. You can use the energy to remove things. Like I said, that sort of thing. It's like one you can work with and one you just let flow. And I have both. I'm a Reiki master and learned Barbara Brennan's work. So I combine the two plus a couple other modalities, plus my own gifts and healing, you know, that I do where I've kind of come up with my own version of energy work. It's an advanced energy medicine work that I really um, intuitively use, meaning I'm, it's like going to a psychic and getting energy work, right? I'm working on a person plus giving them information while I'm working on them. Oh, that's probably the best. Yeah. Do you, do you think uh, some people are like born this uh, with certain talents of becoming healers or becoming psychic, or is that something that can be gained? I guess through Kundalini, you can gain a lot of these things the same way. Yes. You know, when you get hurt and all of a sudden you put your hand on it, you are taking your energy. It's a mm. natural inclination to heal yourself, right? Right, right everybody's born with intuition. Everybody's born with the ability to run energy, right? It's just learning the skill, right? Like when you fall down and your mom comes over and puts her hand on your knee, right? Oh, are you okay? You know, that's her energy. She's her energy wanting to heal what you just hurt. Mm. And then um, learning the different techniques, you learn to go in and like pinpoint an injury or run energy or pull heat from it, pull pain from it, that sort of thing. Yeah. Why do you think, because um, I've always been curious, I think uh, maybe you were too ahead of our, the time, but why do you think they're not, they're not using professional sports? Because I feel like there's certain injuries, uh, like, uh, let's see, the other night there was a player that played uh, with a neck strain and he played horrible compared to what he normally plays because obviously he couldn't Will you turn his head? <laughs> right. But do you think with energy work, you could you could heal that a lot quicker than with massages and stuff like that? Yes. The first thing that I thought of, though, for him was that he needs to go in the um, locker room and see their team chiropractor and massage therapist and have them run some energy <laughs> into it as well. Right. right yeah, right. totally. I think that um, being more holistic is great. And they're, they're bringing it into the hospital. I don't see any reason why they couldn't bring it into the locker room, right, to be able to help their athletes. And it definitely would help. Well, so, I, so now they bring it to the hospital. They bring um, like uh, energy healers to the hospital now. Yes. Yes, they do. Yeah, they started with Reiki. Interestingly okay. enough, you know, because it's more um, well known around the world. And I think that the energy workers are working their way into the systems as well. And a lot of people are doing um, holistic clinics where, you know, you have a physician and an osteopath and maybe a couple of healers, chiropractor, massage and that sort of thing. So you get like a well-rounded healing, right. you know, or an herbalist, acupuncturist. Really? Maybe in Washington state, but not everywhere. I'm sure, pretty sure of that. <laughs> My hope is that they start going everywhere around the world because it's really needed. Right. Um, yeah. So, so uh, talking about gifts, so I, I imagine you were, you started early in life being kind of uh, intuitive and aware of things that other people weren't. Yes. Yes. As a child, I was very sensitive, could feel energy in a room, could feel energy in a person, knew if they were happy or upset, um, could see spirit. 
Um, I remember one time waking up in the middle of the night when I was young and saw a white spirit sitting by my sister's head looking out the window, you know, and she turns and says, shh, and goes back to looking out the window, <laughs> right? Um, when I was a teenager, I was, you know, studying and something taps me on the shoulder and I thought it was my little sister, right? And I go, what? Sarah, so, you know, to my little sister and there was nobody there. Um, so I have had those occurrences. I've also had, there was a not so nice spirit in my house and, um, which actually, um, was beside my bed in the middle of the night and reached his arms up, you know, in the shape of a fist and came down on my solar plexus when I was in fifth grade and it was a full on hook, you know, like when you're losing your air and your body is, you know, bending forward. Um, that actually was a moment in my, um, spiritual life where I, turned it down and stopped the outwardly seeing. So, and it took years to work through the fear that if I opened fully spiritually, that I would invite that back into my life, right? right? So I struggled with that fear all through school and well into my, you know, thirties and even in my practice. So it was really getting over a, um, these are my gifts, they're okay, I'm learning tools you know, to keep negative energy out and keeping positive energy in, you know, and working with those things. So, and then turn, of course, as I got older, more mature and could um, handle myself, like, like a child going from being a child to an adult where they can't really handle an adult, but then when they're an adult, things change, right? So same thing with gifts. It's very common for kids to like dial it down when they get fear or when they realize that everybody else isn't like them and then dial it back up when they're older and more mature and can handle it. So it's, so it's almost like uh, X-Men. It's about controlling your gifts and be like not, not using it too much. But I guess in this way, it's kind of, especially if you're seeing uh, negative entities, it must be really scary. Um, but w- what about other people? Like I'm, I myself, I don't think I've ever seen anything like, uh, like an aura or not even, you know, anything like that, let alone the, a spirit or an angel or anything like that. So, um, hmm. you can train it. I get, yeah. I was afraid to ask that. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody's born with intuition, right? That's our natural instinct. That's the deer standing out in the field that pops its head up because it senses something that's coming, right? We have that innate ability too. I was laying on my deck just the other day and um, popped up, right? And there's three coyotes right off my deck, you know, coming towards my deck, right? So we have that natural ability as well. And it's just fine tuning it. It's having the awareness of what it is that clairsentience where we feel something we may walk into a room and feel gosh it feels like somebody just had an argument or something like that or we're interacting with a friend and you're like getting that feeling that he he or she may not be in a very good mood right Right. so you're feeling that out then um your clair clairvoyance is mental pictures and where i could see outwardly as a child um my strongest is being able to see within my third eye within my mind with like little mini movies or pictures or kind of they're kind of like daydreams or picturing what I'm seeing like 
like if there was a spirit sitting here at the table with me in my mind's eye, I can see them outwardly sitting at the table, but outwardly I cannot see them. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, you can, so you're you seeing something, but not with physical eyes. So you're able to, uh, to switch between the, the different points of view. Yes, exactly. Wow. And you can train that with meditation and focusing and really grow it. And as you get older, your intuition grows. So all of your spiritual gifts also grow. And it's really learning who you are and how you work. Like, do you feel things? Do you see things? Um, do you smell things? Do you hear things? Or do you just know things? I just, clear sometimes I just know things, yeah. yeah. But, uh, You're clear cognizant and that's really coming online in a lot of people these days. Yeah. Just, just knowing. Just knowing things. Yeah, it's um, clear knowing. Is that uh, is that also the gut feeling, or people are like, yeah, just uh, just had a bad feeling about this, or just had a gut feeling that I should go for something, and uh, and it worked out. Yeah, that's clear sentience. Mm. That clear feeling. Because gut instinct. Because you know, um, okay, I'm gonna bring so, some people are not gonna like this, but I'm gonna bring him in. So, Mr. Donald Trump, I read his. Uh, um art of the deal book and a lot of the book is about doing what you like and all that which is great great but but some of it was just subjective we'll just trust your gut and he would be like yeah i didn't go for this deal because it didn't feel right and then uh what would happen was be would be like a couple months after there would be a tornado or a hurricane whatever it was and devastated the area and then then if you bought it you'd lose a lot of money and stuff like that or uh Sometimes he'd meet somebody and be like, I just, I just had a gut feeling that this guy is solid or the opposite as well. So even though yeah, he so seems, he, he seems very rational, but there, there's an element of a pure intuition in this man. If he's just like, yeah, this goes with the gut feeling, you know? Cool. I didn't know that about Trump, as you know, from our <laughs> the other day, I'm not a Trump supporter, but, um, but I'm a very liberal person. Right. And I know that he did do um, a lot of things that people liked. And it is, I'm, I'm going to say that CEOs and um, owners of large companies are very often very intuitive. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how they got there, right? By trusting themselves trusting right. their gut instinct it's your intuition is trust mm. it's trusting you and not always looking out like we're a little kid and we're like mommy is it okay right and then we're an adult and we're still looking to outward sources you know mommy is this okay right yeah. <laughs> where we really need to emotionally mature our gifts so we can make these decisions for ourselves and fully trust ourselves gosh trust was a huge journey for me Right. Because I did depend on other people, you know, and really needed to mature that aspect of myself to like really trust myself. You were like codependent. You were codependent with other people, Ben. Yeah. Mm. I um, think that's why psychics make so much money. Because people are, uh, other people are because codependent? We're disempowered. Oh. We don't trust ourselves. Um. Yeah. I just uh, wanted to add another funny thing about Trump is that uh, this, this is so incredible because there's a book he wrote called uh, How to Get Rich, you know, and there was a thing in, in the book that I didn't expect. You know, Carl Jung, the uh, psychoanalyst? Yes. One of the chapters was, well, it, it basically said, read Carl Jung. 
And it, it says a story that Donald knew somebody that was always calm. And Donald being always uh, questioning, he was like, how, how are you always so, so calm? And the guy said, you know, I, I came from a very turbulent family and all that. And I started reading Carl Jung and started doing some therapy. And I realized that, that other people can be like a gun, but I'm the trigger. So I learned not to be the trigger. And then, then Donald was like uh, interested in that. So he started reading Carl Jung. And he said this, the time he spent reading Carl Jung really helped him in, in his personal life and in business. So I thought it was interesting that in a book about how to get rich, he recommended people read Carl Jung. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never wow. would make that connection. <laughs> I never would have made that connection either. I'm impressed. Yeah, um, I wish he had brought that more out in his presidency for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I think? Politics is war, and that's that's how he treated it. <laughs> yes, for better or worse. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wanna. You said we could do a short demonstration. Uh, about something that everybody could benefit uh, in the audience, something that, um, I don't know, you pick what, what, what would you like to do? How about if we do a chakra meditation because mm -hmm. running the chakras, spinning the chakras clears out um, blocks and energy out of the body. And I think everybody could benefit from that right now. So why don't we do a short chakra meditation and okay. go through the chakras and spin them and clear things out. Okay. All right. So everybody take a comfortable seat, wherever you are. If you're driving, I recommend not <laughs> doing this. Listen right. to the replay um, later when you're safe at home. So everybody find a comfortable seat, sitting, take a deep breath. Exhale, and again in, and exhaling through your mouth, because when we exhale through our mouths, we release what is stuck in our bodies. And let's bring our awareness to our physical bodies now, placing a hand on your chest, coming into your body. By placing the hand on your chest, it brings your awareness to your physical body, to your presence within, feeling into that, feeling all of your energy coming into center, leaving everything in the outside world, just let it be and coming into your center. Releasing that thing you have to do in 10 minutes. Releasing your phone. Releasing any thoughts you were having earlier. Pulling your energy back into yourself from all of these outside sources. Bringing your energy back in. Now I want you to take your energy, your focus down to your sacrum. This is where your first chakra is. The first chakra is red and it spins clockwise from right to left. And as you spin it, it opens red.
clears, it moves energy. Send a cord down into the center of the earth, to the molten core of the planet, and wrap this cord around a rock. This is your grounding cord. And now that your grounding cord is in place, you can pull the energy up into your first chakra from this cord. You are grounded and you have access to this energy. And as you move this energy up, we move to the navel. Two inches below the navel is your second chakra, spinning orange from right to left, clockwise. And as you spin it, the energy is free to run. Anything that was stuck in the chakra would be spun out. Any blocks would be removed so the energy can flow freely. Stepping into your power, your pleasure, your passion, energy coming up from that grounding cord into your first chakra, a sense of safety, security, moving up to second chakra, personal power, empowerment, moving now to the third chakra yellow, spinning clockwise. Let the yellow expand. This is family of origin, feelings of self and other, spinning clockwise. Take a deep breath. Let the energy move into your stomach area. The energy is traveling up from the first the second to the third blocks are moving. Your third chakra is opening. It is flowing freely and moving into the heart. The heart chakra is green, spinning clockwise. It's love. It can also be pink. spinning green, flowing freely, removing blocks in your energy system. As we spin the chakras, we spin out everything that does not belong to us. And we fill ourselves with healing light and healing energy. Pulling energy up from the earth through the first chakra, second chakra, third chakra, fourth chakra, moving up to the fifth now at the throat is sky blue, spinning clockwise. As it spins, it removes all negative energy. This is your voice, your creativity. Spinning 
from right to left clockwise. It's important to have your voice in the world. Your fifth chakra is also connected to your second chakra. You speak your purpose and your passion and creativity through your fifth chakra, sky blue. Flowing freely, open, open voices. Pulling energy up from the planet through the first chakra, second chakra, third chakra, fourth chakra, fifth chakra, up into the head now, between your brows with the sixth chakra, third eye, intuition, indigo blue, spinning clockwise, spinning all negativity out, removing all blocks so energy can flow up your spine, pulling energy up through the first, second, third, fourth, fifth to the sixth. Take a deep breath, inhale that energy. Now it flows to your seventh chakra, the top of your head, white to white violet, your connection to spirit, all that is knowing, your connection to knowing, the energy is flowing freely now from the base of your spine through the top of your head. And we're going to send a cord out above your head, connecting above and inhale that energy down through your crown into your sixth chakra, into your throat, into your heart, into your solar plexus, into your navel and out your first chakra into the planet. And feel this energy as you inhale, the energy moves up. And as you exhale, the energy moves down. The energy is flowing freely, all blocks removed, chakras spinning, connected, grounded. Take a deep breath. And start to come back to your chest now. And just know that you can hold on to this throughout the day. You can come back to this feeling at any time. Start to wiggle your toes and your fingers. Coming back into the room now. Let your eyes gently flutter open and take a deep breath. There we are. <laughs> we mini meditation during the podcast. Yes, it was lovely. Now everybody's open and flowing and connected to the planet and connected to source. For a little bit, I didn't know where I was. I was like, whoa. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
<sighs> so uh, do you do stuff like this on a, on a daily basis with people? Um, I do this on a daily basis with myself and I will be opening up a practice um, probably online doing live um, meditations and working with my clients as well. Yeah. Things to come. Yes. Right. Right. Um, projects to do. So yes. what kind of things um, are your um, clients most often struggling? I imagine it would be stress and things related to that. Stress is a big one. Stress, relationship issues, loss, grief, um, physical injuries. I can work on anything. Yeah, I do the advanced energy work. I do the intuitive work. Um, I really work on a quantum level where I'm working with all the layers of, um, of the field and of the universe, so to speak, even going in directions of time. Um, time isn't linear, so I'm tapping into past lives quite often, and right. uh, a lot of people, especially now, are working with their past lives. We bring a lot of stuff in, you know, from those past lives, and they intertwine with things that we're doing in this life, so it's good to unravel those and work on those so our soul can release those, um, so they're not uh, functioning in our current life. So I work in all areas. Um, I do Zoom calls one hour and one and a half hour sessions in person and on Zoom and um, remote healing works. Right, it's, it's not diminished. It's not diminished if you do remote work. No, not at all. And I've worked um, with people all over the world. It's fun, I really enjoy it. It's great. Uh, so um, when you go to the past, you don't, you don't use hypnosis. You, do you kind of intuit what they're getting or uh, are they getting the information from their past life? Um, I intuit it and then they'll go, oh, that, you know, could be why I'm experiencing X, Y, or Z, or maybe this is why I had these feelings around this person or that person, or, mm. you know, that sort of thing. I was working on a client the other day and um, her power animal actually stepped forward and I could feel myself with a headdress. And then as I'm explaining this to her, she validates it by saying that at a previous healer, um, he also felt as though he was wearing the headdress of her power animal for validation. So what's I a, thought that was really fun. What's a power animal? A power animal is any animal bird that's on the planet who's in spirit that can help us um, from the other side. Yes, wait, it's a Native wait. American. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Does the bird come to you and you're like, oh, this is comforting me today or? It can, it can be that way. Um, I have a red-tailed hawk that flies over my house all the time. Um, the first shaman that I went to, I was 21 years old and she did a soul retrieval for me and told me that I had a red-tailed hawk that was a power animal. And um, That's another, cool animal, I guess. another yeah. twin animal that was guarding my heart. And these animals have come in and out of my life throughout my life since I even dream about them. So your power animal can come to you in a dream. They can um, cross your path when you're, you know, out in your yard or on a hike or something like that. And you know, it's that intuitive feeling like, gosh, I just saw this eagle and it's for me, right? That was a message from spirit that um, I'm strong because eagle is strength, right? So I'm strong enough to get through this whatever I'm experiencing. I love that. The ego is really a, a, a symbol of strength, you know. It really is. 
Yeah. Well, what if somebody has like a spirit animal of like a snail or something like that? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Maybe, um, let's see, a snail. That would be really fun. Maybe they're a nomad and they carry their home with them and they need oh. to take it slow. Maybe it's a sign if you see a snail that you need to slow down in life. Oh, wait, I've been kind of a nomad in my life for a period. <laughs> so maybe that's why you brought up the snail <laughs> oh, that's crazy uh, okay okay uh, i'm really interested in a past life thing i used to do one time i did a workshop in uh, in canada and uh unfortunately or fortunately i was the only one affected because can you imagine there, there was 10 girls 10 women in in the class and two guys and i was that's the only one I was the only one affected because there was a lifetime where uh, there was a, uh, a lady in uh, in Egypt and she had a she had a stillborn baby that died. So for some reason, I, I I don't know, I was skeptical, but for some reason they hit me emotionally and you know, and I had to like go outside. She's like the teacher was like, yeah, go outside for a little bit, <laughs> and then she had wow. to work on me to get me to be back in the present. It's, yes, it was crazy. So oh, I wonder if maybe hmm. because when we go through lives, you know, we didn't always have modern medicine and we lost our children often. Yeah. Right. So a lot in this time, like when our children are being born, we can have these um, higher than normal fears around losing our children. Right. Yeah. And that could be a reason why, you know, it's not just a parent's normal reaction to the possibilities. Right. It's bringing in that past life, or maybe we were that baby, you oh. know, that past in that yeah. past life, you um, know, and we're in this workshop with this person because we had that connection and you were possibly the baby that she lost. These things can be powerful. No, no, I was, it was getting that I was the woman and that I lost. Ah. And that's why I was affected. Oh, I was like, powerful. oh no. <laughs> It wasn't like intellectual. It was just like, uh, how do you, it was just the sadness. I, I would think of the event and all of a sudden I would be like, feel so sad. I would be like almost crying. It was crazy. Yeah, your soul knows. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I wonder how, how quick he can access these, these life, past lifetime. I'll be, do we have permission to, to do a short demonstration? Wow, we could. This would be a first for me in this yeah. type of a situation in an interview where I can access this. How would you like me? What would you like to work on? Oh, I, I need to connect it to uh, I need to connect it to something that's happening in my life. Sure. And I have permission. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. I'm, I'm gonna try not. To, uh, let's see. Um, something um, not involving directly other people. Okay. Um, uh solidarity i would say that there's there's a tendency in my life to to lack solidarity for whatever reason i tend to be like i'm just gonna go it alone i'm gonna um yeah i'm gonna do my own thing and that comes at the expense i guess of being um in solidarity with in a group environment because mm. i'm also like i want to do it by myself or i want to do my own thing Okay, I see you in a crowd. So you're in a crowd. This is in your late 1600s, 
17, early 1700s. You're in a crowd, you've been singled out. You're restrained. Oh, shit. You stood up for something and, um, and whoever it was didn't like it. You were arrested and you're, I see a guillotine. So I was going with, you're about to be hung, right? <laughs> but, and the crowd, the crowd is reacting. So the crowd is yelling and you're standing there in fear. Yep, then this is really common. So it's very common to have these situations in our past lives where we stood up for something and it didn't go so well. We were just being ourselves and it didn't go so well. Right. And then we were ended, we ended up executed or on public display. Was this England or France or something? Sounds like that. Mm. I'm thinking Paris, definitely Europe, not England. Um, And the borders weren't yeah. what they are now. Yeah. Is what I, the, board, uh, I'm, the borders aren't what they are now, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. So it wouldn't have been called that. Yeah. That those two specific things then. I'm not getting a town though. That's so basically, they, they killed me. They yeah. killed me. So basically, what you need to do to be able to stand up for yourself is really work with your soul. That was then, that was that lifetime where you stood up and that happened and this is now. Mm. That something similar could happen, right? Where people aren't happy with you, but it's yeah. not going to end in your death, right? right? So there's not that worry. So this is actually good. I'm hearing that this podcast is actually good for you to work out that that soul's karma, to be able to have a voice in this life and be safe where you yeah. weren't able to have your voice in that last life. So, so I support Trump. So what, what are you going to do? <laughs> and we all need to learn how to get along. Yes, that's it. We um, can be friends. <laughs> wow. That's, that's quite interesting. Because it's all about not having separation, right? And talking to each other and having conversations and not getting triggered by these conversations or having it be my way or your way, right? We can just listen to our views and accept each other for who we are, right? Yeah. That's what unity is. Um, do you know that um, uh, Bradley Cooper movie that featured that song with Lady Gaga? Um, yes, I love that movie, God, I cried. I haven't seen that movie. I want to see it because I know I know Bradley directed it, and I think that's just his only movie he directed. But there's a song in that movie, and uh, it's pretty good because uh, Lady Gaga obviously is a genuine. Uh, she comes from a musical background. Bradley not so much, but um, I think he had a lot of voice training. Anyway, there, there's a there's a parody I found the other day, <laughs> the South African who was really talented. Uh, him him and his wife were singing. And she sings for the uh, for the vocal left and he for the other side. And at one point she's like, 
oh you offend me <laughs> and he's like oh get over yourself <laughs> i thought i thought that, that was so great. hilarious <laughs> that is hilarious i love that <laughs> and how true <laughs> yes um yes is, is, there anything else, is there anything else we, we didn't cover that you want to go over before we uh wrap up this episode um i can't think of anything except for i would like to tell the audience that you are intuitive trust yourself you can use these skills to make your life better mm. you know in your work in your family in your daily everyday life you know tap into yourself and learn what your gifts are and bring those out into the world mm. what if you don't immediately know your gifts is it is it good to try out different things in life and just be like, where, where am I getting the joy? Like, I think, and think joy and passion is very important, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I went on a huge um, voyage of self-discovery mm. several times in my life, actually, um, in my 20s, 30s, and 40s. And it's always re-looking at yourself. How do you do things? What, what lights you up? You know, how yeah. do you work? You know, do you hear things? Do you feel things? Do you see things? You can go with um, things that you say to like, wow, I feel this, or I see that you're doing this, right? Those can be clues to how you perceive the world. Yeah. Right? Or I just know. <laughs> you know, I'm going to bring up uh, Art of the Deal once again. And something very interesting was he, he did real estate, but he didn't do it for the money. He's like, He's like, I do it because I enjoy doing it. So it's like, uh, he would build these buildings, but it's it's not, it's not because of the money. The money is a way to keep score. It was a game. It's a game because he has enough money. So he had enough money, but still does. But I think that's so important because like uh, finding something we like to do and might you might not earn as much as a, a real estate uh, guy in New York, but uh, I think. For me as well, I'm trying to discover that. I think I'm enjoying this, this podcast and that's why I do them because uh, they're not a waste of time. They're, even though I'm not really earning money, uh, but I'm, I'm just learning so much and I'm enjoying it and that's why I do it. Yes, same yeah. for me. And it's giving back to the world. Yes. It's giving I, you your voice. Yeah. Cool. Which is so important. And it lights you up. I can tell you really enjoy it. Like <laughs> making connections and communicating with people and getting the word out about different topics. It's important. I feel you. I'm right there with you. Thank you. So uh, thank you so much, Liz Peterson, for thank being you, on the podcast. Thank you, Matt. I really appreciate it. It was an honor to be here. I really enjoyed spending time with you today. And Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on and thank you everybody for listening or watching the podcast.